Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Corel Cooper, SVP of Global Marketing at Live Intent and co-host of the Minority Report podcast. He explains his approach to spearheading diversity and inclusion efforts in an organization, and he explores the strategy of continuing to participate in events. AJ avoids COVID on the tennis court, and Vincent is confused by blackberries. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Ah, I was away for one week on a staycation here in New York City, but I'm back. I'm happy to be back and happy to be here at the Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa from Starista, the Vice President of B2B Products. With me, as always, my Commander-in-Chief, my CEO, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Vincent, doing awesome here. Uh, We actually just won the... uh, City Under 40 Tennis Championship, even with uh, one of our star players catching Corona. That's crazy. So for those of you who may already know this, because we've talked about it a few times, especially my table tennis ping pong victory over AJ. AJ is an avid tennis player. And uh, it's the, what the, the uh, Starista Bandits are the team, right? That, that's pretty good, Vincent. And thanks for rubbing in the ping pong. I always have to bring it up. I have to, you know, because that brings you down ever so slightly, even though you just won a trophy. Um, I, I shouldn't have done it. I should have waited. You're right. But that's uh, pretty cool. So someone on the te- someone on our team, uh, he already had Corona? Uh, yeah. You know, funnily enough, he showed up one day and I asked him, uh, you don't have Corona, do you? And he said, no. Then I hadn't seen him in a while until yesterday. And turned out he did have Corona. So somehow he uh, spared the rest of the team. Oh, wow. So and, and none of the other team got it and he was in good spirits. And, and he also lied to you because he apparently did have it. So uh, we well, need to... to be fair, I guess he didn't know he had it. No, so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. The under 40. So everyone on the team is under 40. That is correct. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, so to be under 40 again. Oh, I will be 42 uh in in about a week here so you know yay it is uh, during one of the matches somebody pointed out i was playing against somebody half my age so that 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 hurt that did hurt that's it did you uh did you beat them i believe we did yeah yeah see there you go wisdom over uh age i love it i love it <laughs> Oh, AJ. So yeah, we, uh, I was off for a week, you know, did some fun things with the family. I went to Governor's Island for the first time. I've never been there. It's this uh, island, about 10 minute ferry ride in New York City. They have concerts there. They have these big events. It was great. Kind of walked around this old military base, had some food with the family. Good times, good times. But, uh, you know, went to the Bronx Zoo, one of the best zoos in all of the world, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that was fun. But good to be back. And uh, we've got a busy schedule this week of shows. Thank you for all the outpouring of love for this podcast. People have been, uh, you know, messaging me. We love it. We love this episode. We love that episode. Can I come on? No, you can't. You're not interesting enough. You know, all of that (laughs) stuff. It's been been a great uh, week. And... For the first week back, I am 
so excited to have this guest on. He is no stranger to podcasts. He actually has his own podcast that he hosts called The Minority Report. We want to talk to him about that. I met this gentleman because on the same night that I received the Rising Star Award, which was also under 40, AJ, um, so a couple years ago, uh, the company he works for, Live Intent, won the Disruptor Award, and he was great. We hit it off. This gentleman, I'm so glad he's joining us, is the SVP of Global Marketing at Live Intent. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Carell Cooper. What's going on, Carell? Wow, that is uh, one of the best intros that I've that I've ever had. I think I need to just hire you, Vincent, to do my intros from now on. <laughs> how, how are how are you doing, AJ? How are you doing? Oh, amazing, amazing! You know, um, I, I love yeah the intros. I always embarrass people uh, about those. <laughs> I always channel like the guy from the Chicago Bulls. Remember, I don't know if you ever you know the the Bulls from like uh, recent years. There's the guy who goes so crazy. Uh, at forward. That's kind of how I uh, I try to channel. AJ and I, we, we work so well together, Corel, because we have such different energies. He's always calm and collected <laughs> with notes of wisdom. And I'm just the, the loud jerk, I guess, you know. <laughs> so, but we uh, we work. But so great having you. How was your weekend? The weekend was uh, the weekend was good. It was fun. Um, you know, I, I like to, to ride my bike and get out and cycle. So I did some of that. Uh, on Sunday and then Saturday, uh, my wife and I took our, our girls. We have a 12 year old girl and a, a three year old girl. We took them blackberry picking. And, you know, in this uh, day and age where you can't really do everything that you want to do, we are always trying to find uh, new and interesting things to do. And so, uh, first time ever blackberry picking. Yeah, that's you know. See what this this uh, you know pandemic does. Who would have thought? Like not. I've heard of blueberry picking. You go, you 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 know, you go blueberry picking this nice little farm in Maine. You make some jelly. You you, you make a, a pie. Apple picking, of course. Uh, people do that, uh, especially when you have kids. Um, but blackberry picking. It, that's yeah. You know what? It, it's it's something to do. It's a day out. So what, now are these are the blackberries we're used to, like those little mulberries that kind of. Uh, we used to call them mulberries, right? Maybe, maybe I'm you know, now. What are you doing with these blackberries? Are you making a pie? Yeah, you... I mean, well, we haven't done anything with them yet, but you can <laughs> you can make you know you can make pies, you can make uh, you know other types of of desserts, so on and so forth. But yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna figure that out. We we've got a lot of them, so that, that's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. I love it. So Corel, so you and I met, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we were sitting right next to each other for the marketing edge, the 2019, um, edge awards. And, you know, you were representing live intent, uh, you still at Live Intent, but you were representing Live Intent for the Corporate Disruptor Award. You were sitting right next to me. We hit it off. Come to find out that you were in the same building um, at uh, 222 Broadway and, you know, just kind of took it from there. And then I was like, we started this podcast, AJ and I, I was like, I have to get Corel on the podcast. And we have so many questions for you. Hmm. The first one I, from me is just... Talk to me about live intent. You know, it, it's it's grown so much over the years. I, it's become such a, a great organization. Talk to me about your role there, and talk to me a little bit about live intent. Yeah, sure. Um, so the the company live intent we've been around now for 
for about 12 years um, and really started out as a way of solving dynamic ad delivery in email newsletters, right? So if you think about the web today and, and the ability to serve up impression-based campaigns and, you know, uh, Google really owns the, the, the market when it comes to that. Before Live Intent, there was really no way of doing that in the inbox, in email newsletters. So you had, you know, publishers really um, hard coding uh, ads in their newsletters, only selling them as, as sponsorships or, or share of voice. And what we brought to the table was to create that same sort of dynamic delivery, same targeting capabilities that you're used to seeing on the web. What's been interesting is to watch our, our business evolve over the last uh, 12 years, right? Where, where we've essentially created this, um, this ecosystem within the inbox, this ad ecosystem within the inbox, where today we work with over 2,500 publishers and brands to help them acquire, retain, and monetize their audience with a host of first-party um, advertising and publisher solutions. Um, we see about 290 million unique readers on a monthly basis today, and a unique reader for us uh, is an email open, so an email hash. Uh, and similar to um, you know um, social uh, networks, um, we are 100% logged in because you have to be logged in uh, to, to check your email, right? And so that's basically what our, our business has evolved into. We are now uh, in the process of rolling out uh, a, a suite of identity-related uh, products all around what we call the Authenticated Bridge uh, framework, which is really helping, again, publishers and brands solve the challenges of identifying web users, uh, targeting custom audiences, and measuring outcomes uh, without the presence of, of, of third-party cookies. Um, for myself personally, I've been at the company now for five and a half years. I've held a few leadership positions. Um, I started out actually leading the account management team uh, for my first two years at Live Intent and then moved into marketing functions, first uh, leading the product marketing team. And for the last two years, I've been leading all of marketing at Live Intent, which consists of product marketing, our corporate communications and PR, uh, our demand gen efforts, and our creative and branding uh, efforts. And so spent a lot of my time obviously working with the team and carrying out our, our company's mission and vision and spent a, a, the, a part of my time with our execs um, strategizing on what the future of our, our company looks like. It was uh, fascinating to hear Vincent talk about blackberries as some sort of an <laughs> alien object. So. <laughs> But city city creature, so we won't hold that. <laughs> What's a berry? I know. <laughs> so, Carol, tell us about a little bit about your uh, podcast and what prompted you to start it. Yeah, sure. So, um, I started uh, Minority Report podcast a little over two years ago uh, with a buddy of mine, Eric Rickaden, who is who is also in our our industry and. It was really his idea. Um, he called me up one day and said, "Hey, I, I have an idea." Uh, I want to I want to create a platform for people of color, women, LGBTQ plus community, and other underrepresented groups in in ad tech as a place for them to tell their story. And he asked me what I thought of the idea, and I told him that I I loved it. And from there, he said, "Great, do you want to co-host it with me?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, awesome. Let's let's do it." And honestly, after about maybe two more conversations. Um, we decided that podcasting was the platform 
uh, that we wanted to, to, to go with. And we decided that mainly for, for two reasons. Um, one, um, as you all know, um, podcast is growing uh, r- rapidly in terms of, you know, people using podcasts as a way to consume content. And two, both Eric and I are, are um, fathers, husbands, uh, full-time jobs, and, and honestly uh, wanted to find the most efficient way uh, to launch uh, this, the, the platform. And, and podcasting uh, gave us that ability. And um, like I said, we've been doing it for two years. Um, we, we interview people, and when we talk to them, it's less about their profession and about their industry and more about that individual. So we talk to them about their background, their upbringing, um, how they got into the, the job that they're in now, uh, career advice, uh, thoughts on diversity and inclusion, um, any topics that may be going on in our world today. And as, as you all know, there are a lot of these topics going on today. And what the podcast has evolved into now is we've, we've, we've gone outside of just ad tech where it's now we interview people of color, women, LGBTQ uh, plus community in media business and technology. Uh, and last week we recorded our 47th episode uh, and uh, it's, it's growing um, in ways that neither of us thought that it would be, but these are important conversations that we're having and, and Eric and I are both happy that uh, we can be a part of, of giving people a platform to tell their story. That's great. Vincent and I hope to uh, get our podcast to that many episodes one day as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one day. It'll, it'll, it'll happen before you know it. Eric and I were talking <laughs> the other day and we were like, oh man, we've been, it's been over two years and uh, wow, it's, it's just crazy to think um, how many episodes we have, how many people are willing to come on and, and tell their, their story uh, as well too. It, it's, been a, um, it's been a fascinating and very rewarding experience for me. That's great. So one question related to that, uh, especially given kind of the current uh, things that are happening in the world, what what advice or insight do you have for companies that are looking to increase diversity in uh, tech and media companies? I, I would say um, I, I would say get a baseline of where you're at today. I, I think. I think what happens, and I've talked to a lot of companies recently, I think what happens is far too often um, people are trying to be perfect at this. I think far too often people are trying to look for quick fixes as well, right? And I think that what we're talking about here is not um, its not a sprint, it's a marathon, right? It, it's going to take uh, time and effort um, to change uh, things, right? To make sure that everyone feels included, to make sure that uh, organizations are representative of not only the country, but the, the people and the consumers that they, that they serve, right? But how can you get there? And, and you all know this, right? How can you get there if you don't know what your starting point is? And so I think taking a look at uh, data within your organization, uh, and not just about data of the makeup of your employees, but uh, data of the makeup of the people that are leaving your company and why, uh, data around, you know, do the strategies that you're putting in place, are they, are they making an impact? So I would say, you know, first and foremost is, is start with some sort of a, a baseline and set some goals and go from there. You know, we as companies, we set goals in every other area, right? We have, we have annual goals, we have quarterly goals, we do OKRs. 
creating a more inclusive culture and organization, you should do the same thing. Uh, uh, set some benchmarks and measure. That makes a lot of sense. You know, often minority executives like you and I, we, we have a hard time, especially, you know, based in Texas to talk about race. So often uh, those questions uh, until very recently uh, are not not even brought to the forefront or discussed. And so kind of uh, what, what advice do you have for leadership teams that are generally uh, white that once you do hire minority executives, how do you make it more inclusive workplace yeah you know i i think um i think i think you have to listen to your employees right and 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 really really listen to them right in terms of their experiences uh and and their recommendations so that that's one of the things i i would recommend to 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 white execs i would also recommend again, um, helping lead some of your diversity and inclusion efforts uh, within your organization. You know, again, I'll I'll just point to some of my experiences at Live Intent. We recently um, launched a um, diversity and inclusion executive committee. um, And that committee is made up of executives uh, in the organization. Uh, Some happen to be white men as well, too. And the idea of that executive committee is to support our various employee resource groups and also to hold our organization accountable for the inclusive initiatives that we have quarter by quarter, right? And so, and that's what I think employees, especially that leading employee resource groups want. They want um, to feel like they can show up to work and be themselves. They want to feel uh, like they have the support uh, from the executive uh, team and that true efforts are being made, right? Not just lip service, but true uh, things are, are happening uh, and we're measuring the, the success of, of some of those things. So uh, I hope that answered your question, AJ. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, and thank you guys because it, it gives a, a nice perspective coming from uh, the two of you. Karel, uh, talk to me about, you know, 2020 and in, in live intent, what's, what's kind of, what's been going on? What, what's, uh, you know, marketing initiatives, how have they changed? What's, what's kind of the overall, uh, you know, morale feeling situation going on there? But I, I think for, for us, um, we feel uh, super fortunate um, to be in the position that we're in. And what I mean by that is our business uh, to date so far this year is doing really well um, in terms of uh, being ahead of our revenue goals for the year at this point. And I think, um, you know, part of that reason is what we have preached at Live Intent for the last 12 years in the fact that your email subscribers as a publisher or as a brand uh, is your most engaged users, right? Because they've gone to your website, they've given you um, really what is the most valuable piece of, of digital information that they can give you, which is their email address. And they've told you to send them content, right? And so when you think about um, uh, how highly engaged email users are, um, how well um, marketing messages perform in the inbox because of the highly engaged users, because of you know, the, the brand safe content because of it's a, a logged in environment. And then you add to the fact that with everyone working from home right now, 
um, publishers and brands are actually sending more email and consumers are actually opening more email, right? And so we've seen um, a massive spike uh, in engagement um, for, for the marketers who um, continue to advertise, because obviously we all know this, right? Uh, marketing dollars went down for a period of time. Thankfully, they seem to be coming back right now. Um, our platform has been uh, a great um, uh, incremental source uh, for marketers to um, grow their audience and, and sell products as well. And so from, from that perspective, we've done really well this year. And uh, it's just interesting to see that, you know, the value that we've always presented uh, from an email perspective is, is holding true even during uh, these tough times, right? And so that, that's, been, that's been interesting for us to see. I know live in tech, I see you at events, uh, you know, there, you guys are sponsoring different uh, events, the Starista as well. I mean, our last conference that we attended, Carell, we were in San Francisco, AJ and I, it was March 2nd, March 1st. It was the uh, ramp up event and we were kind of, we're in San Francisco, people were still shaking hands and we love, I love in person, you know, I love going to, you know, meet people and network the direct marketing club of New York. I'm a big part of the marketing edge. Uh, even now, like I do video calls, I insist that my video is always on people are like, Oh, uh, I, I didn't put my video on. Oh, that's your problem, sir. I'm putting on my video, but, <laughs> but this just goes to show like what, what are the plans? I mean, did you use those? There were probably a great networking opportunity for you. They're a great lead generator. Uh, what are your plans? Well, as far as lead generation now, what, what are some of the methodologies you, methodologies that you use? And yeah, we'll sure. Use? yeah, sure. So, well, first, uh, I am shocked that we did not run into each other at ramp up. I, I was there, uh, as well too. Uh, uh and, and that you know. seemed like, I mean, that seemed like two years ago, that event. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, uh, but in, in terms of, um, you know, lead gen, you know, we are honestly getting back to basics. I shouldn't even say getting back, but doubling down on basics, right? So uh, search continues to be uh, a big performer and a big uh, a driver for us. Um, we've spent a lot of time over the last year really looking at our website and our website analytics and making sure that we understand where people are entering our website and where they're leaving. And if they're able to find the information that they're looking for quickly, uh, and how do we get them to the to the to the lead capture uh, form? Um, we are still going to do events, um, but I think what's going to change for us is the events that we do. We're going to want to make sure that we've got a prominent speaking uh, gig at at some of these events, right? Because you know, to your point, if you're not in person. You know, the um, catching someone as they come off the stage or running uh, in, into someone in the hotel lobby or at the hotel bar, you know, those, those chants happen like you can't create those opportunities uh, uh, in a virtual event. At least I'm not aware of how you create those in a virtual event. And so in order for us to continue to look at the events that we're at, we want to make sure that we're front and center with our message so that the, the attendees that are, are there are, um, are, are consuming our content and know who we are. And, and listen, I mean, there's still a few months to go here before we, we round out the year. So we'll, we'll see what happens and, and our strategy will continue to evolve. But part of it is, I think, again, doubling down on, on some of the basics. Um, you know, the other part of it is we've, we're creating our own hosted events. Um, back in March, when we all started working from home, 
um, we launched uh, what we call RTB, Real-Time Banter, uh, which is our, um, it was a weekly webinar series. Now it's uh, every other week where we essentially get together um, with um, publishers and marketers uh, in the space uh, and have conversations around topics that are, are top of mind for them. Uh, we usually like to have a, a thought leader from the industry uh, on, and it's a great way for us to um, continue to connect with the community, uh, drive our message, um, be a thought leader in the space uh, as well too, and create content that we know um, our customers and prospects are are looking for. Real time banter, I love it. Uh, what's the platform on that? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Uh, in terms of the technology we use to host yeah. it, yeah, yeah. So uh, we use Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, you know, keep it keep it simple. Uh, we we use Zoom. Uh, it's it's uh, and we do video. Uh, as Vincent said, I think it's very important for for if you can't be in person for people to to at least see you. It makes for better conversation. Uh, we allow our attendees to, to come on. They, they ask questions of our, of our guests. And I think, you know, the other thing that's important too is we use that as an opportunity to, to give back. And what I mean by that is um, we, we host a quiz. We run a quiz at the end of, of each session. And the quiz is usually two questions. So we'll have two winners. One question will be pertaining to the topic of, of conversation, right? And then the other question will be something completely random that um, our VP of marketing, Nick Dujnik, comes up with that nine times out of 10, you have to Google to find the answer. And for the two winners, what we do is we donate, um, we donate a $25 gift card in their name to a local business that they want to support or a, or a charity. And so, you know, we're, we're also using that as a way, like I said, not only to have relevant conversations um, and, and to be seen as thought leaders in the space, but we're also using it as a way to give back as well. So, you know, one of the mutual connection we all have is Marketing Edge. So we'd love to know how you got involved. And uh, I know you're a board member now, I believe, as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. So my uh, my introduction to Marketing Edge was was as uh, Vincent said when we met each other um, uh, over a year ago, and um, he received an award, and I accepted the um, Disruptor Award on behalf of Live Intent, and that was really my introduction to to Marketing Edge. Uh, from there, um, I, I've done a, a few other things with them in terms of speaking at um, their college summit. Uh, and as our relationship grown uh, has grown, uh, Terry actually reached out to me uh, and asked if I was interested in, in joining the board. And um, I, of course, accepted it. And, and the main reason is, you know, Marketing Edge, their, their values, their mission, which is to um, foster the education of, of marketing and create opportunities for the next generation of, of marketers. That certainly aligns with what I'm trying to do as well. You know, being in the position that I am at Live Intent now, um, being a senior marketer, um, I want to help open doors for uh, that next generation and and provide advice uh, to anyone that I can. And so, um, yeah, I've been on the board now for uh, close to a, a year. Uh, it's been really rewarding uh, experience uh, for me as well too. And and uh, yeah, love what the team at Marketing Edge has been doing. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, you know one of the only organizations uh, 
de- dedicated to helping college students in marketing. And uh, I know I had no idea what I was going to do in college. So it's always great to see these uh, 19-year-olds that are so passionate about marketing. Um, so one of the other questions I had for you was, uh, you know, how is your marketing department structured? What is the, uh, uh, what are some of the key positions in the department uh, looks looks like, and what do you recommend for uh, startups that are uh, starting their a marketing department from scratch? What are some of the key areas they should focus on? Yeah, sure. So um, we are a team of of twelve. Um, so a relatively, I would say, you know, small team for the size of organization we are, I think live intent, we have something like 180, 190 employees, uh, today. Um, but the way that the team is structured is we have our, our product marketing function, uh, which is, um, headed up, uh, by our VP of, of, of product marketing. And and she runs the team and reports into me and, and the product marketing team really is, is responsible for. Um, the positioning uh, and the messaging around our products, uh, market research. Uh, they work very closely with the product team on go-to-market strategy, so on and so forth. Um, we have a corporate communications uh, arm, which is uh, headed up by um, our our chief of staff uh, is, is his current title. Um, and so he and I work very closely on our PR efforts, right? So how we're getting uh, the live intent name out there in the marketplace, making sure we're involved in conversations, making sure that when we launch partnerships or a new product or solution, um, that we're getting the eyeballs we need in the marketplace. Uh, and then um, we have a, a VP of, of marketing who I was telling you about uh, earlier, and he he sits over two different teams. So we have a creative and branding team, and we have a demand gen team. The demand gen team is responsible for um, our paid media efforts, um, our events. So really, how are, how are we filling the funnel and the pipeline uh, for the sales organization? And then our creative and branding team uh, is responsible for, you know, um, uh, our, our branding, right? So um, how does our, our website look? How does our collateral look? Um, but I think what's been interesting about the creative and branding team and how it is evolving Right, is we are now um, consultants to our marketers who run on the platform. So we build uh, a good number of creatives uh, for our clients today. Um, we consult with our clients in terms of uh, the creative layout, what works, what doesn't work on our platform. And our creative and branding team is also um, heavily involved in sort of that funnel once a user gets to the website, right? So they work very closely with demand gen on, again, making sure that the layout of the website is most efficient uh, and effective as possible, right? So um, they, they, have, they have become uh, much more of a strategic team than I think, um, you know, traditionally a creative and branding team would become. As I like to say, they are, they, they are not around to make things look pretty. They are around to help us drive revenue and, and service our customers. And so that is, uh, that's the layout of our team. Um, you know, it, it has certainly evolved uh, over time. Uh, the teams work uh, hand in hand together. Again, um, as product marketing works with the product team on our go-to-market strategy and getting our positioning down, uh, they are responsible for feeding that information into the rest of the marketing organization to make sure there's uh, a consistent approach uh, to how we are 
um, speaking to our customers uh, externally and internally. And I think the internal piece is something that um, we can't forget about. And I think it's very important to any marketing organization, right? Your customers internally are just as important as your customers externally. And what I mean by that is, is the sales team, uh, the product team, uh, so on and so forth. That's great. And then in terms of the industries, I, I know you mentioned the companies doing well in spite of COVID, which is great. Uh, are there certain industries that uh, you see uh, performing better than others for you? Yeah, you know, um, from a from a newsletter perspective, from a, a publisher perspective, we've we've definitely have seen categories like um, shopping, um, home and garden, uh, style and fashion, and business perform very well in terms of uh, user engagement uh, and open rates. And and I think like that a lot of that makes sense, right? People are at home. Uh, so they're doing much more online shopping. You know, it's the the spring. We just finished with spring. Now we're in the midst of summer. So home and garden. Uh, so that that I think a lot of that makes sense. Um, on on the flip side of that, from a um, from a from a marketing perspective, obviously travel um, took a, a huge hit, right? And not just with us, uh, with everyone. So that that is uh, an area that is not doing all that well right now. But I think what we're, we've been seeing is, is areas like arts and entertainment, again, business, um, family and parenting uh, marketers, um, anything around sort of like food and drink and home delivery, uh, pets, uh, advertisers as well. Uh, they, they all seem to be to be doing pretty well on our platform. And Carell, for those of the people listening, you know, an ideal customer for live and live intent, you know, would that on the publisher, is it publishers? Is it people with newsletters? Talk to me about an ideal customer for those of the listening. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, so I think we have to, we have to separate it right. Um, from publishers and marketers, because, um, again, remember we are, we are really the only ones out there that exist that are doing what we do, uh, and email, uh, and soon to be on the web, right? And so on the on the publisher side, right? The ideal customer for us are um, uh, customers that send email newsletters, right? And so, and we work with, like I said before, twenty five hundred publishers and brands. And so we're working with everyone from major um, news organizations like the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, Condé Nast, um, to brands like uh, a Wayfair uh, and Expedia. Uh, so on and so forth, all all customers of, of ours. So definitely, you know, sending email from a publisher perspective, uh, super important uh, in order to work with us. But uh, beyond that, whether you are a publisher or a marketer, if you are um, looking to uh, grow your, your audience, right, whether that be um, new subscribers or um, to identify more users that are coming to your website, you're an ideal customer for us. If you have a product uh, that you uh, are trying to sell, sell, you are an ideal customer for us. We work with a lot of uh, direct consumer brands, uh, a lot of e-commerce uh, companies uh, as well, too, right? And so, you know, th those are the customers that I think are our ideal fit. And then also, too, I would say, um, as you all know this, right, the death of the third-party cookie is is coming as as uh 
uh, Google announced um, some months ago. And so as marketers, as publishers, as you continue to um, solidify your first party strategy, which a lot of the things that I just said should be a part of that in terms of growing your subscriber uh, base and understanding uh, and resolving more users as they come to your website, you know, we have a suite of products that can help uh, there as well, too. And so um, that sounds like a lot, right? But again, because we are the only ones that do this, uh, what we do in the, in the email space, we service um, publishers and marketers, both sides of the business, uh, and have suites of, of products that can help with both. As marketers, right, um, you're looking for a few things. You want to be where your audience is, right? You want to be in well-lit environments. Um, you want to make sure that you're targeting the right people, right? Again, um, we see over 290 million unique readers uh, on a monthly basis within email newsletters. It's 100% logged in. Um, there's no user-generated content uh, within our network as well, too. And so when you check the boxes on all of those things, right, um, you know, why wouldn't you want to uh, advertise or run a marketing campaign with live intent? Yeah, you're definitely right. And, uh, you know, you always know live intent is like just kind of, you're right, carved out in, in this, in this industry. And, you know, there's, uh, I don't know of any others doing what you guys do. So that's awesome. You know, definitely a well lit. I love that. That's a, what, what a term, um, you know, Corel, talk to me a little bit about the, you know, let's, we're going to get a little, little more personal side here, right? Career growing up, all that, you know, Talk to me about what some of the most valuable things you've learned during your career. Ooh, uh, valuable things that I've heavy, learned heavy one, career. you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, this is the last ten minutes of the podcast. We get deep. Yeah. Now. Yeah. You know, I I would say I I pride myself on being um, a good leader, right? And I think one of the things that I learned very on in my career is to really listen to people, right? Um, Instead of um, listening with the ear of responding and always trying to get your point across, right? Listening to people and figuring out how you can help them, I think has been very, very valuable in my career. And I actually see that as one of the, the positive things that pops up in my reviews all the time too, is that I, I'm a good listener. So I, I, think, I think that is definitely one. Uh, another one that um, has certainly, you know, I've had to evolve in, in this one because it was hard at the very beginning, but is I, I try not to dwell too much on mistakes that I've made in the past, because if I dwell too much on the mistakes that I've made in the past, I'm really not moving forward. And that doesn't mean that you don't learn from the mistakes because you certainly should. Um, but I, I, I try to I try to move on uh, as quickly as I can um, so that I stay stay productive. Because the more time you spend thinking about the past, the less time you're spending thinking about uh, the future. So one of the other kind of concluding questions we wanted to ask you is, what are some of the things in marketing that uh, really annoy you or you consider your pet peeve? Oh, man, that annoy me. Wow. Uh, <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, right. So... So as a consumer, and this still continues to be a, a huge problem, and, and we as an industry have to figure this out. As a consumer, I really, really, really hate it when um, I buy something and then that same product follows me around the internet for the next you know, six months. Uh, six months, I may be over-exaggerating a little bit, 
but I like we we have to figure out um, as an industry how to get better at that, right? Because um, user experience is is the key to um, the internet continuing to be the great place that it is. And user experience, part of that is is content consumption, but part of that is marketing uh, and advertising. And so that AJ is what comes to. I, I, I'm hoping I'm answering your question, but when you ask what what I really sort of hate or one of my pet peeves, that's it. It's just the the um, the unsophisticated retargeting is like what I like to call it. You know, that's one of the uh, challenges that's there in our industry is because uh, data providers are incentivized to sell data. So the longer they keep the uh, the data for retargeting, the more money they make. So it's kind of like a uh, some people some people are always classified as intenders for you know a year or two years, and then so you end up having these large cookie pools of. Uh, hundred million people wanting to buy cloud computing, for example. So I think it's a self-inflicted wound that our industry has created. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. It is, it is uh, self-inflicting, but you know, when we talk about, um, when we talk about uh, reporting on conversions, when we talk about attribution, there has to be a way in which we can, we can fix it. Yeah, no, I, I agree, especially when I've already bought the thing, right? Yeah, it's like, all right, yeah. you got me. I, you know, I bought that new sweatshirt. I bought that new Giants jersey. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't need to buy another one. You know, yeah, that that's kind of uh, a pet peeve. It just brought up it. Is, I know it's not my segment to go into pet peeves, but our industry, I don't know if this happens at, at Live Intent, but, you know, oftentimes when we're sending email, we're doing email marketing for a customer, it's so heavily relied upon, at least to think lazy marketing, I think, where they're like, oh, hey, another provider got me more opens and more clicks. I'm like, all right, well, what? how many conversions did you get? Right. Well, yeah, right. No, no, just opens and clicks. I'm like, well, you know, would you rather have, uh, you know, a ton of people who looked at your stuff and weren't interested or less people, but more people converted? That always gets me. I, and I'm like, is, is like, does your, does a client know that you as the agency are just relying on that. Um, oh, yeah, and, anyway, and, and, yeah. And, and, and and I mean, I think part of that is on the client too, right? Going back to what I said earlier about how much time my team has put into our website, right? And, uh, you know, part of that has to be the, the client connecting the dots and thinking about their marketing strategy holistically, right? It isn't just enough to have impressions and clicks and to get someone to the to your website right but once they're on your website what does your bounce rate look like how mm -hmm. many how many pages uh is an average user consuming when they're on your site how much time are they spending on your site what specific pieces of content are they spending after they review that content are they filling out the form to ask for more are they are they interacting with your chat bot uh, on your website as well too right there there mm -hmm. it, it, there has to be uh more of a holistic approach to your marketing strategy than just impressions and clicks. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's a really, you know, that's, that's what bugs me so much. You work so hard on a campaign and they're like, well, so-and-so got you opens and clicks. Okay. What, you know, <laughs> the, the bots, it could be a lot of different things you know, um, anyway, we also asked this Carell where, you know, LinkedIn, a lot of the times, uh, you being an SVP, I'm sure people 
always reaching out to you. This is a, a constant question we ask. Mm. What is what message on LinkedIn? They don't know you. Gets Carell Cooper to say, "Okay, I'll connect with you." And what do you hate? Mm, okay, LinkedIn uh, specific. <laughs> LinkedIn specifically. <laughs> um, if if your product or service can truly help me solve uh, an issue that I'm dealing with. I mean, we just talked about a couple, right. You know, measurement and and attribution. Right. Uh, so, you know, if if you can truly help me solve an issue, I I, I think, um, nine times out of 10, I will respond. Um, what I hate is the person who friend requests me. I accept the friend request. And because maybe in their head, I'm not responding to their message fast enough. I get, you know, a message a day for the next seven days or two oh, messages a day. You know, I, I just actually unfriended someone on LinkedIn because they just kept hitting me over the head with, you know, message after message asking me, you know, hey, are you there? Did you get my last message? Are you going to respond to me? That drives me nuts. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. that. That's mine. That's mine where like I get I get duped in, Carell, because there's like a few friends or a few mutual connections and I'm like, hmm, all right, 14, that's a decent amount of number. And I connect and then pow, they hit me with a, with a sales message and I'm like, ah, I got that recently. I won't, you know, I never shout out the people, but I got that recently and I'm going to unfriend this person. Yeah. But uh Good, good. I like that. That's uh, so, you know, be able to solve your problem, but and then it'll hit you up a few times. Look, we have come to the end of the podcast. I have one more question for you. You're a New Jersey guy. Are you a Giants, Jets? What's your team? <laughs> you will be shocked by my answer. Oh, God, either... don't say Cowboys. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't. Oh. I wouldn't go there on you. Uh, but I am neither a Giants or a Jets fan. Uh, believe it or not, I am a Chicago Bears fan. Okay, I'll take yeah. that. That's my second favorite <laughs> team. My best friends are uh, half are uh, Bears fans. They grew up in New York, and uh, I had my bachelor party uh, in Chicago. We went to the Giants game. I'll accept that. Corral. All right. This is if you said Cowboys, I said, all right, I, have, I like you a little <laughs> bit less. But this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, he is Carell Cooper, ladies and gentlemen, the Senior Vice President, Global Marketing at Live Intent. And please go check out his podcast, Minority Report, everywhere podcasts are consumed. Check out the Marketing Stir. Carell, this has been awesome. Thank you for joining AJ and I. Uh, have a great rest of the year and we'll connect soon. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. He was Carell Cooper. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.